Clay Captain, not Captain, Admiral Vance comes into this mm. episode. There is a tide and basically sums up Discovery and 2020 in one felt swoop to close out a, a terrible year and then to close out a, a Discovery episode. It's pretty good for <sighs> shit. <laughs> is this another i don't want a dog pile or dog shit pile but uh <laughs> is this the another YouTube instance youtube always hates when people swear in the first like 30 seconds for some reason i was trying to trying to push it but now we've definitely demonetized yourself i didn't mean to interrupt sorry oh i was just gonna say is this is this another instance of the show being uh very self-aware i don't know yeah like with, with burnham <laughs> earlier where burnham in yeah. that earlier episode quote uh laid out her multitude of character flaws and the show was like yes. that's right you do have those flaws and then stopped let's caring not a, let's not address any of them let's not let's not let's not try to subvert this or anything yeah we're gonna watch uh well happy 2021 everybody this is our first podcast of 2021 um this will be the first year i can remember where i will have no problem correctly writing dates on things yeah they'll stick in your mind you'll, you'll remember this one 2020 is over although I can't wait till nicer. when I do eventually. I can't wait till I do eventually screw it up and then write 2020 and get like a Vietnam flashback. He starts sneezing uncontrollably just so your yeah. throat gets sore. Raw. Yeah, happy 2021, everybody. This is the first podcast of this. How many Star Trek episodes did we do last year, Clay? I counted them. Not counted. I quickly summed them. Um, just because I think I'm going to oh, do like know. an end of year sum up. How many Star Trek episodes, pod- podcasts did we do? Um, Star Trek episodes. Did we do 104? We did 84, actually. So you were a little oh. high, but yeah, I guess we were. I, just, we're, I assumed we did two a week. I did. So I just <laughs> it would have been a safe assumption. We must have not done that for a little while with Lower Decks, maybe, or something. That we did. No, we were doing Enterprise with Lower Decks. Oh, we did movies. We did the Kelvin movies, and Picard was the only series running for a little bit of time. So we only did Picard, I think. Ah, right, right. Has you know they have all these tweet, tweets and uh, the, uh, what's the word memes going around? The one I saw yesterday that was pretty good was a picture of the Ramones, and then it said 2020, 24 hours to go. <laughs> has anybody has anybody made like a bumper sticker or one of those flowery memes with a sunset that says hindsight is twenty twenty? It's a good one. I like yeah. that one. That would just add a kitten falling from a tree. To the- yeah, you get you can have that one, internet. <laughs> There is a tide. It's the latest episode of Star Trek Discovery, the first one of 2021. We're going to break it down right after we play the trailer from this episode right now. We have got to get back on Discovery. Let's do this. We figured out how the spore drive works. Osira will destroy the Federation. I have a plan to take back this ship. Well played. Go save the day, Michael. See you again until another distant future. I love you. There is a tide. Is the twelfth and penultimate episode of the third season of Star Trek Discovery. Came out on the thirty first of December, twenty twenty. Written by Kenneth Lynn, directed by Jonathan Frakes. The universe date is thirty one eighty nine. In this episode, after capturing the USS Discovery, Osiris seeks a meeting with Admiral Vance while Burnham and the crew must overcome unimaginable odds as they attempt to regain command of their ship. The memory alpha blurbs for this series similarly tend to like be very strongly 
adjective laden when, when they're describing what the crew is doing. It's interesting. I know they just pulled them from like the log lines or something, but um, it's interesting. There is a tide. You can start this one, Clay. Welcome to 2020. Thanks. You can start to welcome to 2021, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> Wes is clearly bursting at the seams, but he's willing to hold it back a little bit longer. Amy asked me um, if I was having a stroke while I watched this episode on my phone last night. She goes, are you okay? I was like, I just zoned out. Sorry. She's like, you look like you're having a stroke. It's like, it's just, it's this episode of Star Trek Discovery. Um, I, I think what they're trying to do in this episode is good in theory, but uh, I feel like this is probably the strongest example yet of the show not earning anything and just jumping to the conclusion that they want or the climax that they want without earning the 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 journey to get there because in theory i mean the crux of the episode we can ignore probably a lot of the crew on the ship stuff because it's just crew running around trying to retake the ship stuff um, the crux is obviously the the Osira and Vance. Vance stuff, which in theory, I thought that stuff was good. I thought it was actually kind of really, I was interested in Osira's plan. Um, and it, from a con- conceptual standpoint, uh, it's smart of her to hedge her power by realizing that she needs to uh, diversify her, where her power comes from and joining the Federation and restarting the Federation is the best way to do that, thus essentially making herself immune or, uh, uh, yeah, immune from prosecution or whatever, at least so she thought. Mm-hmm. However, there's a lot of stuff that they just hopscotch to get there. For instance, she has a science institute that's been studying the spore drive and how the spore drive works They've the never, whole time. Apparently, the Emerald Chain is basically a Federation. That they've never, they've never, yeah. they've made it sound like they're just a kind of raider pirate organization. And apparently they have, she's, she's like, we have an NIH level federal funding mechanism. It's like people apply to FOAs and they give grants. It's like, what are you talking yeah. about? What, <laughs> where is this coming from? Yeah, they've got they've got a science institute that somehow is incredibly scientific. Actually, the most unobservant scientist in the world too, who's like, Osira doesn't do bad things. <laughs> yeah. goes, she does do bad things, and he goes, "That's sad." Yeah, like again, <laughs> that's a good example too of like, sure, good in concept, but having a scientist give one speech about how Osira was nice to him, and then you're supposed to like give a shit a scientist you've never seen before. Yeah. Uh, give a speech about how Sarah was nice to him, and then you're then later on when he goes like, she really is bad. Like you're supposed to <laughs> care or be surprised. You know, it's like I I I understand I understand what they're going for, but like yeah, they just like they just jump over so much stuff. Like even when they even when they they uh, get into they drive discovery into the Federation shields and stuff. I saw a few people talking about how smart Vance is in this episode. Sure. Eventually, but like they let discovery drive in with their, uh, something jamming their transporter and they're not answering their communications array. And he's just like, Hmm, I don't know. Let him in, I guess. Well, someone else has a line. Osira has done, Osira has done that tactic before. 
they say. Is, does sure. Rin say it or someone says it? This, so this is like a thing she does. She yeah. She uses a friendly ship to open the gates and then they go in Trojan horse style and then they blow it up from the inside or whatever. So and also and like I I I start thinking about stuff from other episodes. Like, well, weren't they tracking Osira at uh over on Kandahar or what the hell's mm-hmm. the planet Kaminar. Planet called Cam- Kaminar. Kaminar. They like the Federation went over there to like see what was going on with her. Then she disappears. Somehow they don't track her, I guess. And then all of a sudden her ship shows up chasing Discovery back. I don't know. It seemed it seemed a little bit like the Federation isn't actually following what she's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, she's an unknown just, quantity because we don't yeah. know anything about the Emerald Chain. Or yeah, what that's it, what the thing. Like. Represent. I, I feel like what they were trying to do here is position her like Gul Dukat or something. But if Gul Dukat like the was founders, in... Actually. Like she's the yeah. head of a large sure, organization. Sure. Yeah. Well, but she's also... She's trying to strike a deal with the Federation and the Feder- and the, the Changelings never really did sure, that. Sure. Like du- Gul Dukat's the one who's going to try, to try to make a deal that in which he will come out on top. Okay. And the difference being like... It would be like if Gul Dukat appeared in two episodes of the season of Deep Space Nine they were trying to do that in and didn't do much more than just be like a space pirate. Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing, there's no, they've, they've got no, that, that stuff like Osira coming in with this plan for peace or whatever, even though it is ultimately just for her own benefit, despite what she's saying about, although the. We can get into the lie detector guy too, because I mean, there is some truth to what she's saying about wanting to fix the galaxy or whatever. But like that angle that she's coming into that meeting with, and the stuff she's throwing at the Federation, <clears throat> as far as like the Federation and what they've done and what they haven't done and how they've let certain things drop off, there's no, um, there's no room for subversion or inversion of anything, because they've haven't built the world that they are now trying to invert and subvert right you know like she's going at the federation for all this stuff and it's like well we haven't seen the federation do anything we haven't seen the federation not do things it's just they've just kind of been there to tell michael she's doing a good job or that she that saru needs to think better yeah i mean do you i don't i don't even think that osiris plot is dramatically interesting as a linchpin really because it's like is is her whole point just to evade prosecution essentially like to to enable through this corporate merger her group will no longer be punished for the things that mm-hmm. they've done that's her goal that's the that's like the end well of it? i guess i guess because that's the thing that makes her balk is the fact that she would like she's not putting herself uh, she's not sacrificing herself for the greater good, yeah. Because she doesn't want to do it if it means that she's going to still be tried for her crimes. And that's what Vance pushes back on, saying that you will be right. you will be prosecuted or whatever. Yeah. After so after a great a great narrative scene, where he's like, "It's going to take me a long time to read this paperwork." <laughs> he just sits down and flicks through the thing. Hey, it doesn't it doesn't stop our government from passing five thousand page bills in twenty five minutes. No one or whatever, reads. But, no one's reading the bills. Yeah. Vance just some rubber stamp this son of a bitch. I I just could you think, explain to me, Osira? Could you explain to me this three martini lunch clause you put in here? <laughs> I just think Osira's 
the like the negotiation or the sort of trying to come to terms with the Federation and the Emerald Chain is almost too realistic to be interesting. Mm-hmm. It's like so low stakes, their their merger aspect of it. And uh like it doesn't even seem that bad of an idea to me that mm. they merge. I don't know if you're supposed to think that, or I guess you're supposed to think that because you need a reason for Vance to be willing to do it. But it seems like so good of an idea. I I don't know where the problem is going to come from unless Osiris just double crosses everybody, which is p- possible in this last episode. She's just like, nope, fuck it, never mind. I actually want to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and do it like a Thanos thing. Uh, it was just so. I just thought it was for what they cons- the show was considering to be like a revelation about Osiris' true motives. I wasn't really impressed by it. It's like okay, just you guys mm. can join. Um, yeah, we'll have to hash out some of these clauses about whether or not like you're in trouble or whether or not we can have trade and stuff like that. It's like right. it's it's just too boring for for the stakes well, that they had been throwing at us. I think it. I think it becomes more interesting if she's if she's is being completely honest. Like if if she actually is coming in and her argument is that she has been she has been picking up the slack where the Federation has now fallen away, and they view her as a, a villain. But what she's been doing is actually holding things together, and she actually does want this kind of uh, peace in the galaxy thing. And th- which allows her to and the show to subvert or undermine the idea of what the Federation is, because like that's something we've been talking about. We don't even know what it is at this point or why it's necessary at all. Um, but it, it, so you know, you get that thing where it's like, oh, it's a point of view thing now, where we've been watching this through the eyes of the Federation that view Osiris as a villain, but what she's actually doing is this, and you know, there's some moral grayness there. But, the, but as it, soon as she as soon as she balks at the fact that she's going to be prosecuted, it just turns into like, well, no, I guess she just wants to be a space pirate with, and keep her power. Yeah, which yeah. as a plan, like you said, it's a good plan for her, mm-hmm. and it's kind of a good plan for the Federation, really. Yeah, um, I think it's win win. Like yeah, even if she I, doesn't <laughs> get prosecuted, I'm like it seems win win for everybody. It seems win win for the galaxy. Yeah, I, I just, so it's it's tough to it's tough to come away going like well. I guess they just ratcheted the stakes up. But I don't, I don't like see the, the Federation being compromised because the two things that I know about Osira is that she's a slaver who uses slave labor and she is a trader, like a, right. a tr- like does trade, like mercantile or D. whatever. Yeah. And in the compromise, they basically, she says, I won't be a slaver anymore and mm-hmm. I would like to trade. And they say, okay. So it, it seems like the goodness of joining the Federation has wiped out her her badness you know like it's, right. it's not like she's compromising this by being like we're going to be a slaver federation at this point because that's the deal that we have to make to join forces it's it the federation kind of wins in this arrangement and yeah if it's just about osira evading prosecution i've already forgotten about roger stone <laughs> you know like i it's right. like, like yeah. I, I life goes on in some ways like and i mean also like if vance had been like no by prosecution, we mean we'll put you on trial, you'll be convicted, and then your your sentence will be commuted, or you'll be imprisoned right. on Riza or some <laughs> shit. You know, it's like there's there's ways that you can work this out. Yeah. You know, it's Operation Paperclip worked. Yeah, yeah. I I wasn't. And the thing the thing that I was thinking of too is like 
it reminded me, I think it was Picard where we also said this, where when you when you get down to what actually is going on, if the two sides just had had a conversation, there's really no reason for anybody to die or any action to happen right. because Osira apparently has the technology needed to recreate the spore drive, which she yeah. says that the Federation can't do, even though as far as I know, it could be wrong. The Federation has never mentioned they can't do it in this time period. I don't think I don't think it's ever been brought up as to why yeah. they can't do it again. Again, it's being it's an important thing now, but it hasn't been an important thing for the past 12 episodes. Yeah. Um, but it's like she's got this technology. Obviously, she's a a pirate or something. But I feel like this is supposed to be a widening of the themes of the Earth episode. Yes, with the uh, the pirates who turn out to just be like humans, over guys, there. humans yeah. who 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 aren't getting their phone calls answered anymore. Yep. But it suffers from the same problems as that does, where you kind of get into it and it's like, well, you know, this is. The stakes are pretty low, and the the believability of what they're actually trying to do is is not is not really super super strong or enticing. Well, and the, the solution is the same in both. It's like, can someone send an email about this? Yeah, like can someone yeah. just send a message and say, "Don't shoot us next time because we'd like to talk to you" or whatever. If you've got if 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 you're Osira, I mean, obviously you're trying to make a point and and have leverage or whatever. But do you not still have leverage if you've if you say, "Hey"? I know how to recreate this thing that which is something you're going to want. I'm not going to give it to you. Maybe I'll build my own. And she, and she's also at that point within the Federation's shields. She she has the leverage right. of that case in 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 all those cases. I just thought that the I thought that the Van I can't believe. Sorry. I can't believe she went there in person. Like I yeah. understand the idea, but it's like why would you I guess it's a good face thing or whatever, but it's like you're already in there. Just hologram yourself over there. Right. You, yeah. The, what if you show up and they immediately arrest you or something? I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I know the whole episode really hinges on that scene. And I think that like, I would agree. That it's just a problem of discovery never effectively sets up these like, Everything that happens in this episode should have been planted at the start of the season. It's Correct. like there's yes. no reason not to do that kind of stuff. If you if this is the place that you're going to end up and and try to build towards it, us knowing this uh, background the entire season does not really change anything. It might make this right. actually more underwhelming because when you get to this point, you're like, wow, what an underwhelming uh, discussion these two are having, and that's kind of a problem. But you need to juice up the Osira point of view, I think, and that it's just to solve that. It's mm-hmm. um also I saw somebody else, I think it was on I don't know, the comment section of one of the reviews on the on the internet, where they're like, they just two episodes ago had a a half half an hour of their episode dedicated to the Federation Starfleet crew members cheersing and commemorating uh Space Hitler. Mm-hmm. But Osira can't get a free pass because she's kind of a jerk. <laughs> it's true. It is true. Um, Although I don't know if maybe Vance wouldn't have uh, maybe Vance wouldn't have thrown her a party like Saru did. Is there is there more? I mean, I'm just trying to think of what else there is to to go on off of off of that with like Vance and. 
I think that the the Vance and Osiris stuff is just too little, too late. And yeah. it's only highlighted by the fact that they took two episodes to do George O's mirror universe leave. It's yeah, like you had sure you have nothing. You have no story for the Federation here. You had to you could you could afford to kill two episodes of the mirror universe. And I would argue this episode does not need to have a second part. Like I, I'm, I'm shocked at how long this wrapping up the season is taking. It feels like it's taking weeks just to get through yeah. what needs to happen here, and it's not like it just feels like they they kicked the the can down the road, and we got to this point where we had three episodes left in a season, and there's one episode worth of material in it. And right. this one's it's you know it's all action, it's all Burnham running around, it's Vance and Osiris talking for a very long time with each other. We don't check in with Saru or anybody on the planet here. The mm-hmm. only thing we do to check in with that is Stamets continues his fucking breakdown as a person and as any kind of like professional when he starts crying about shit at the end of this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Although, I will say, when he does straight up yell at Burnham, we, we came to the future for you. That's a good point. That's a good point. Although... <clears throat> It, it is. I think it's true, but also pathetic at the same time. Like, did they? They mm. did. They really just come through for her. It does emotionally feel that way. So I think that yeah. you're like Stamets is vindicted to, or he's he's able to feel that way and have it be an appropriate feeling to say that we came for you. And what are you doing to us? What'd you think about his psychopathic adoption of Adira? Where he's like, now I'm your guardian, and I'm going to cry. Mm-hmm. Um. Have they had more than three minutes of screen time this entire season together? They no, have- but you can tell by the dopey smile on his face when he looks at them that they're he sees them as his child. I guess. Oh my god, that's yeah, the whole pro- that's-, that's the whole point of Adira in this season. Adira doesn't have a story. She just has yeah. Stamets has to have something to be upset about at the end, and that's the reason. Or that they, the only reason they exist is to have Stamets have a really strange reaction at the end what a what a like just on a technical level like you you can kind of get bogged down in the detail of whether or not it works but on the technical level when they're writing this and someone goes let's have a character named adira who's a trill you go okay Mm -hmm. why why are we bringing them in you go i don't know you go maybe that's a problem maybe maybe we should maybe we should (laughs) have a reason to introduce this character into this season because we already have a ship full of characters there's no reason it's not like we lost somebody it's not like the Warka situation where he's gone, let's bring on Pike and we'll see what that does. They already have a full complement. And bringing Adira in, hinting at a story, and on the most frustrating aspect of it, hinting that it could potentially be a very interesting Trill story, mm-hmm. only to say, no, never mind. Just You'll just be an adopted child for this psycho of an engineer who can't handle right. anything. Uh, at the end of this i don't know I, I find it really it's it's again it ties in perfectly with the emotion of discovery what discovery tries to do is to like churn up this emotional content it's just its emotionality is so unearned and manipulative that it's comical when when they start trying to get into it it's really just very silly yeah um I'm all for emotional Star Trek discovery of sure. ex- exploring the inner lives and conflicts. I'm all for the um, a series built around Kirk's voiceover at the start of Star Trek Beyond, where he's like, we've been out here right, a right. long time. 
people are losing their minds. I'm all for that. The show mm-hmm. doesn't do it. It's, it's it's not. It's it's just these huge, huge, enormous leaps where you end yeah. up and you go. These people don't feel this way about each other. He's talked to a deer Imagine, twice. I know this is this is rewriting everything. And sorry, one last thing. I saw an internet yeah. comment that said Discovery is actually doing something unique, which is that it has it. It depends on it depends on the story being fleshed out in the scenes that you don't see. So this person's idea yes. is that yeah. is that the show exists outside of what the show is, and you're just supposed to fill in the the, the dots and be like, oh, this is what's happening, and therefore this is actually yeah. That's not how stories work. It's so strange. Yeah, I don't know why you would view that as a positive. It's just it's um, anything to defend it. You could you could easily if I you could easily take that to the other extreme and just take a perfect story, and I'm going to fill in the blanks with horrible stuff, and now it's a horrible story. So how how does that feel? Story? Right, like yeah. you know, yeah. like yeah. In my version of the story, Stamets just slaps Adira around very, very angrily. My version screen. of Shaw's uh, of Jaws, the shark has a jetpack in the scenes that you're not seeing, and is flying around <laughs> nuking Russia. It's like okay, and actually, it's not the oxygen tank he shoots; it's the jetpack <laughs> that you don't see, and that's what blows him up. And it's not that he shoots the tank; it just blows up for, because of natural causes. Yeah, the burn happened. It's the burn happening in Jaws. The burn mouth. happened that blew up the Jaws shark's jetpack. Yes, <laughs> um, but like, imagine if, imagine if instead of, and I'm not saying Adira is a bad character, or I, I, I the the addition as we're saying is is questionable. But imagine if instead of doing this surrogate child thing with Adira, what if it was Detmer? You know, they put they put Detmer and Stamets at odds with each other because Detmer has PTSD and and she's having trouble flying the plane. So they kind of make peace after that dinner. Stamets kind of puts her under his wing and she becomes kind of like a surrogate child to him. And so then when Detmer after the uh the uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, support and coaching she's gotten from Stamets to help overcome her problems, then takes the action and the initiative to go back down to the planet to help save everybody else. Doing what Adira has done here. Yeah. Now you've got a connection because they've been growing, and her newfound uh, her newfound confidence is due in part to the relationship she's built with Stamets. And he's become attached to her, and now she's in trouble, and Culber's in trouble. So then you've got like a real connection that he can actually have have some stakes in, and that you can actually draw lines to, to see action resulting from other action and character action resulting from character, instead of as I I stand by. No one has managed to figure out how Adira knew to go down to the planet at all in the first place, other than the fact that they needed to put them in harm's way. Yes. So. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I would prefer that just because I don't view Adira as a main cast member, really. Like Detmer is more of a main cast. Yeah. I wouldn't even that's, consider Detmer. That's the thing. Time. That's the thing. They keep adding, uh, and uh, this is not like the death of the show for me, but it's like they add characters to the detriment of the characters they already have. Like uh, the same thing is kind of happening in the wrestling world in the WWE. WWE is like has the the best roster it's ever had, arguably, but they've got too many people and they keep adding people, so yep. they keep bringing in these great wrestlers. Excuse me, who end up on the back burner after like a week or two because they don't know what to do with them, and so you've just got this bloated group of 
people to draw from, but they just keep drawing from the same four people all the time. And it's, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's unfortunate. Yeah. It's yeah. lack of, it's sto- the lack of, uh, inventive storytelling being, um, illustrated by constantly moving for a new thing and not actually exploring the stuff that you do have. Right. Um, Such as kids with the Christmas presents. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Such as if we want to move on to this now, because this made my brain crack in half. Mm. Uh the, the sphere data, which they have <laughs> remembered maybe twice this season that they have, and the two times that they did it, it was like they they specifically drew out this idea that the sphere data was helping them even though helping them i guess means suggesting to saru that he have people over for dinner yep um and they have already established in the previous season that the sphere data will defend the ship like you can't blow the ship up you can't fuck with the ship because the sphere data controls it now but the sphere data had no problem letting osiris guys just reprogram everything what is sorry what did they reprogram am i when they came over the the uh they, they, there's a scene where I, uh, what's his name? Weber there, Jake Weber, or one of, one of those guys is like, we've, we've almost completed changing over all of oh. the interface to our interface or something like that. Yeah. The spore drive just going to let that, I mean, the, the sphere data just lets that happen because it was, it's going to fight downloading it's itself. It's going to fight back with the dots at the end. Yeah. It's busy downloading itself into these tiny robots. <laughs> I knew, I knew these things. I knew these things were going to be important. <laughs> Because they were in, they're in the credits. As yeah. soon as I saw them in the first episode, I was like, I don't know what these things are, but they're going to end up playing. They're some from, sort if of you don't, they're role. from the. Um, remember the animated short, Ephraim and Dot. Uh, the Dot is one of the little. Oh, is cre- that what it is? That's what it oh, is. Okay. It's the little ship cleaning t- uh, sure. thing. Yeah, that goes around. Yeah. But Very like, Star Warsy. Clear, like. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! If you want to draw the difference between Star Trek and Star Wars. It's the end scene of this, which is extremely mm. Star Warsy. It's just robots with eyes looking at you, going like, "Let's go!" And um, not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's really, um, it's really just not ex- what you'd expect from a Star Trek show, and not no. not in kind of a good way. It's it's very uh, fantastical, kidsy. It's like whimsical, mm. and I just I don't know how well it meshes with. You know, Burnham getting stabbed in the leg and her choking some guy. <laughs> and then it cuts to just like R2-D2s with little electrical shock hands that'll like zap yeah. up, uh, an Andorian or something and move on. I don't and I, I, I don't have much else. I honestly, the sphere data to me exists in a weird place where I know it's there and it's mm-hmm. like vital, but it's for some reason it's a tier below the spore drive and how they, yeah. how they treat the spore drive. It's like I'm more... And it's always been a problem with me in Discovery. I'm more concerned about the spore drive existing and how they have to dance around the fact that this thing exists in the past when it doesn't really make sense, how they solve mm-hmm. the fact that it's in the past. And then when it gets to the future, the fact that everyone should want it, but no one seems to care about it. The sphere drive is just a secondary version of that because it's less prominent to me, but it's the same yeah. thing. And I yeah, and I understand that they, they have the, in that scene where they talk about purging the data or whatever they they mentioned like oh there's just this one piece we can't get rid of which seems to be uh eight gigabytes of buster keaton videos yeah um but i said st- i still don't understand why they could should have gotten to that point at all why the sphere data wouldn't just not allow them to do it right or for the sake of 
downloading itself. Like, I feel like it's got more power if it stays in the system than yeah. if it turns into a cute robot. <laughs> yeah, we haven't seen those robots in action, but it's just into the thing of they haven't really explained what the sphere data is. If it, is it autonomous? Is it like it's when it has this conversation with Saru, it definitely seems like it's an intelligence at that point that's kind of considering mm-hmm. things, but they. They've never discussed whether it sees its need to survive as something important, whether it considers itself important enough where it would be like, well, no, I need to stop people from... It stops the well, ship from it, being blown up or whatever. Yeah, it, it you can't blow the ship up. It stops the ship from self-destructing. So it does have it a, does self, care. a sense of self-preservation. And the other thing that's kind of crazy about this is, they, like I said, this has been planned because those robots are in the opening credits. They've shown up a few times throughout the episodes. There's one There's one moment that we didn't talk about when it happened, but it was just so strange to me. Um, I don't know if it was covering for a, a bump in the dolly track or something, but there's a scene a few episodes ago <clears throat> where there's a bunch of people talking and uh, the robots are like cleaning stuff up, and then they come at the camera and go past the camera, and one of them bumps the camera hmm. because the camera just like, gives a little bit of a shake <laughs> yeah and i was like so they're either covering for something like a that was a good take but the the dolly track someone bumped the camera or something yep. or they did that they specifically digitally did that to have the machine the the ro- fake robot fake bump the camera yeah which is a i don't it's just a, such a strange choice to me but they, but my point is this has been in the cards like this has this shows forethought in stuff that they're doing but the the sphere data has made maybe two very short appearances, and it has not been part of the season in any real way at all. Yeah. Until they pull it out of their hat in the last five minutes of the season. Um. We have a uh, we have a stream tomorrow or today when it, we have a stream on Saturday with Lore Reloaded uh, at one o'clock EST. If people are around for that, I um. Do we discuss like overall story problems about this? I think this episode's fairly good, like a good way to sort of break that down to explain like mm. where I'm coming from with a problem. So, for instance, I am um, there's a strange defense of discovery, which is that you can't judge the story until you know what the story is about. And I see this I see this kind of all the time where mm-hmm. I can understand it on one level where you can't necessarily judge actions of characters if you're unsure of what their motivations are underneath it. So like complaining about like <clears throat> why did why did so and so do that? It's like, well, I have to see what they're actually motivated by. Mm-hmm. I don't at all agree that you have to see how things are playing out to judge the quality of the stuff you've seen so far because sure it's the same it's like if you were reading a book and you you've read nine chapters of garbage and you're like well i have to see how chapter 10 plays out because that's right. going to save this it's it's and darren mooney was tweeting about it too which i think is this there's this like fetishization of plot at this point over mm. everything and yeah it's it's it doesn't work that way it's there's no horrible story that's going to be saved by a great ending. You will have a horrible right. story that you go, that's a terrible movie, but it's got a kind of a cool ending. Or you've got, that was terrible, and it, like the ending barely saved it. But I'm just, I'm just more of the opinion, like, the journey there has to be the whole thing. And right, right. If, you, if you pin your hopes on the reveal of an episode or a reveal of a mystery saving your season, 
I think you've already fucked yourself. That, like yes. that's not Correct. good enough. It's never going to be good enough. <clears throat> and just the final thing about <clears throat> it is the well, we, we were kind of discussing me, this offline. I, the major problem, like technically, that Star Trek Discovery does is that there's the th- there's this thing called like the story arc, like the narrative arc, or whatever that some guy had mm-hmm. kind of created, and it works for uh, he did it for tragedies and stuff, but it works generally in storytelling, which is that you have a flat line, which is exposition, then it goes up and it's called rising action to the climax mm-hmm. of your story, which is the very peak. And then it has falling action and then resolution. So generally stories will, will start that way. So it's like the exposition is you, you lay out the information of what your story is so people understand what you're talking about. Then you have rising action where things generally get more difficult or worse for the hero or you kind of mm-hmm. explore things. And then you have a climax, which is like the, the, the moment of truth in the story where everything comes together. And then falling action is the sort of... Um, coming down from that and sort of solving the problems and then the resolution is how things end at the end of your story and mm-hmm. people who are naturally good at telling stories follow this story path it's just like it's the way that we're sort of designed to absorb information across it yeah it's well, like music right it's there's a structure to it so that people can track what you're talking about when you do things yeah. and understand why the climax matters at, at a certain point what discovery does is discovery is all exposition until it hits a climax in an episode. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it never does the rising action step. So it never does to go back to Jaws. The exposition in Jaws is you learn about where you are. You learn there's a shark. You learn it's the 4th of July. You learn that the city is dependent on the 4th of July money in order to do this thing. You meet all the characters. You meet everybody like that. The rising action is all the failed attempts to deal with the shark, right? So they they try right, they, the, the right. shark keeps attacking. They try the mayor keeps the beaches open. They go out. They have to get the boat. They go out in the boat. They're trying to find the shark. All of that. All of that. The climax of the story is when they finally get the shark on the boat in that final the final sort of battle between everybody. Discovery doesn't escalate its action in its stories. It just gives mm-hmm. you information and then it goes right to a climax and it says and this is why this is important. And so, in both episodes and season arcs you never get a sense of like, where is this going? Like, what are we escalating mm. towards? Or what, what are the, the stakes here? It's just a whole lot of information, climax, emotion, resolution at the end. And it's, yeah. it's really frustrating. It's like really awful storytelling, in my opinion, on a technical level. Yeah, it seems... Um, <clears throat> they seem to be like structuring their seasons as though each episode is a puzzle piece and the fact that it's a puzzle piece is supposed to be the thing that gets you excited about it. Right. And it's not even like, it's not a puzzle piece where it's like, Oh, the next piece of this linear puzzle. It's like, here's a piece here. Well, the next piece is down here. Ooh, isn't that fun? It's like, well, no, I don't know. I would, I would say that what they do instead of a mystery, which the good mysteries would be like each bit of evidence adds to a greater understanding of what's going on, Mm. or it flips your opinion of something that might be happening in the story. So like in a a well-structured mystery, it's like you, you go and you do the investigation. The ending of an episode is they find a murder weapon covered in blood, but it's the main character's item you know right, like the, right so there's this like well what the hell does that mean what discovery does is its mystery resolutions are just more exposition it's just more facts about like what's happening in the universe so it's like oh it's a kelpian ship oh it's in a nebula oh it's on a dilithium mm-hmm. planet and that's it's 
All of the burn information never changed anything about this universe. Chasing the burn has not changed a single thing about what's what's going on in this universe. It hasn't changed your opinion of Star Trek or Starfleet. Hasn't changed your opinion of Osira. Hasn't changed Burnham. Hasn't changed Book. Hasn't changed these couriers. So the slow drip is just the weakest of mysteries to build on. Mm. Just exposition. There's no changing. There's no like new information. There's no new perspective. Yeah, that's why I mean, it feels like it takes argue, six weeks to get. Through, no, that t- feels like it takes a year and a half to get through a season of Discovery because there's no build. Yeah, you could argue that the world building they're doing for this season is just the fact that different people are showing up, and you get like a offhand <clears throat> comment as to what their role is in the galaxy. But I don't think that's enough for the story they're trying to tell because, you know, it's like I think. I feel like we're probably looking at another modern Star Trek climax here in the final episode where all of your friends you've made along the way show up to save your ass, right? Yep. All four seasons of modern the Discovery and Picard have ended this way, where it's a, yeah. a big battle is going to happen, and then your friends save you at the very end. Yeah, because, you know, she makes a phone call to her mother, so, you know, the, the Romulan, Romulan ninjas are showing up. Yep. Um, and I'm sure somehow the book's family is going to show up yeah. for some reason to justify <laughs> the, the to locusts. justify their inclusion. Because yeah. <laughs> um, they talk about poisoning those bugs, don't they, or something? So yeah, they, I, I yeah. think that they must show up. Yeah, that's that's a good example of 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 what's so frustrating too is Stamets brings up the 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 stuff that happened on on uh, Book's home planet as a. Uh, evidence that osira is a bad person but like it doesn't it doesn't feel like it's it's that doesn't feel like it's played any large part into the story because osira didn't really feature in that episode she was just kind of up on a ship a little bit and shooting stuff yeah like it doesn't it doesn't feel it feels like a you know, and I should say maybe maybe not that Osiris wasn't featured, but the guy in the wheelchair wasn't featured. Like, there's, he, it's not like we got the other point of view of that scene or sequence from the wheelchair guy thinking they were it was doing great stuff or something. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's just it's it's a it it feels like it's exposition doesn't equal world building to me, especially yeah. when you're when your world build the linchpin of your world building is supposed to be the Federation. And we haven't really seen the Federation do anything. And, you know, you get these, you you get ideas of where other elements are of the universe are, but not really, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't feel super cohesive to me. Yeah. I, I think that the, I think the fundamental story flaw of this season has been the lack of what is the Federation at this point. Um, mm-hmm. they wasted a bunch of episodes telling us the Federation doesn't exist anymore and then it does and that's annoying I, it's just there's no there's no reason to have characters like Book say I haven't heard the word Federation in a hundred years they they exist and they're, they're it's not like the Federation is not even doing anything like the Federation mm-hmm. is actively doing missions they just have Limited resources, and they can't get around other places. Yeah, I think, I think. Oh, I'm sorry. Finish. Go ahead. And and so, when you go into that, and then you show up, and Vance, Vance becomes the 
uh, cipher for the Federation, largely in this season. Like, the Federation is through Vance. He's supposed to be the character who represents what the Federation is at that point. That's the whole purpose of having him. Mm -hmm. Vance starts off strong and eventually loses any kind of narrative drive as a character. He doesn't really have anything going for him because all he does is he gives out missions and he kind of sits around and waits for things to come back. If you're not going to explore what the Federation is through Vance, as like Vance symbolizes what the new Federation is, which would tie into a kind of uh, deal with the devil that Osira would offer later on. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's the central arc because the burn is not that. The burn can't provide that kind of uh, conflict or like or drama to the story because it's just an empty mystery really nothing changes yeah. about solving the burn if you're not examining yeah. what the federation means it's just been a waste of time the whole season has just been spinning its wheels yeah i think that's the pro the main problem is that they i think they were trying to hang the federation and what the federation means and what the world means without the federation on the burn in that like discovering the the secrets of the burn will then inform the inform you about things about the federation but i don't think it's worked at all and i think that that problem is that the burn has be, was the focus I, I wish they had just not explored it or something it's or just, just it or happened not, or just explain what happened at the start be like a little kelpian yeah. kid blew up all the yeah, dialogue sure. yeah or like just have it some why do why do you need to figure it out is that's not the interesting thing like the interesting thing is the setup which like all the dilithium blew up uh which caused the federation to fall apart because nobody can fly anywhere so uh, we got to rebuild the federation okay why what does that mean what does the federation even look like but instead it turns into the scavenger hunt for black boxes and can, inner inner soul searching in front of your v- Romulan ninja mother. Can I, can I also, just to interrupt, because we, we say this is kind of an offhand, uh, but I also didn't really ever internalize what they were talking about. I think there's another flaw here, which is that the, the description of what the burn is is mm-hmm. way too complicated to, yes. to, to get. A, so we, we always use the shorthand as the dilithium blew up, right? But mm-hmm. as listener Kyle has corrected me and made me more hyper aware of what's going on, the dilithium actually doesn't blow up from what happened. All it does is it stops working, which causes the engines of the ships to blow up. And so all the ships blow up. Okay, So sure. dilithium is still around for you. But the other thing that's happened is that, and they only reveal this later on, is that the Federation has basically mined all the dilithium away at this point. So... There's a natural shortage running into the fact that the ships that used it blew up, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just think that's it's. I think that's too layered and too complicated for what the burn is supposed to be a shorthand of, which should just be the dilithium actually shattered, and because of the yeah. frequency of the scream, because that just that makes more sense to me. And you're not dealing with this thing of, oh, it's like a a kind of stupid metaphor for environmental protectionism of like you shouldn't mine all the oil or whatever, but it's also not like relying on this incredibly technical knowledge that the dilithium is what keeps the warp cores running and that like if Mm -hmm. you remove them, it it blows them up. I think it's just too complicated and silly. And they do it just so that you can have a planet full of dilithium at the end, right? Because it came up because I was like, why... 
if the dilithium has been shattered, why does that planet still exist that uh, Sakal is on? And they say, well, the dilithium actually isn't impacted by this. It's just it turns off for whatever reason. So, so I am really dreading next, like the 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 resolution of this season being we found a planet full of dilithium, so all the ships work again. That's that's got to be what happens, right? But like, doesn't that kind of break its own internal rules then? Because that kid's been screaming quite a bit. But I think shouldn't shouldn't every time he's like he screams and he almost blows up Discovery. So shouldn't all the dilithium of this dilithium planet now not work? I think what I think what this is the other thing. I think the dilithium will start working again. It just stops it from working for a split second, which causes the warp explosions to happen. That's why there's still dilithium in the universe. Oh, okay, yeah, that's isn't that's, <laughs> that's awful. It's so stupid. <laughs> so, so so okay. So let me let me let me track this out here so the screen the scream caused the dilithium to short circuit and in that second where it short circuits all the ships that use it blow up yes but that doesn't stop dilithium from working however starfleet is base basically has all of it they've used it all they've used what they they've have. used it all yeah Okay. Because dilithium so does, does break down. That's that's canon. That dilithium breaks down over its use. So you need more of it mm-hmm. to keep it working. Okay. I so mean, it's the that equivalent makes, of it doesn't a, the power goes out of your house. You lose the project you're working on on your computer, but the power comes back and you can continue working on it. Okay. So that doesn't not make sense, but yeah, I think it's a little bit too too layered for what they're doing here. Um because I think I think what you're getting out of that you do get a, a an opportunity to position the federation in a negative space then because they've mined all the dilithium and now all the dilithium that they've mined doesn't work and people out there can't get it so osiris has filled the void because she has it somehow but i i think it fundamentally changes fast travel because they should realize dilithium works but the conflict should be we can't go to warp for huge periods of time because we don't know if this mm-hmm. is ever going to happen again so no character brings that up. No characters. You think you'd think of after a hundred years they would just change the way the ships work slightly. I, it's like I, I was thinking the technology the dilithium, would be <laughs> d- the dilithium injection as it needs it, and then it you know pulls it out or something. I was thinking it would just be like they'd come up with a white noise machine that cancels out to call scream, and it doesn't impact the dilithium <laughs> or something. Like well, that. that would that would require people in the last hundred twenty five years actually trying to figure out what happened, which they haven't. I might be wrong about what this is, but that's my understanding of what Sukal's screaming and the burn is. And it also ties into our early questions of why is there still dilithium in this universe mm-hmm. that people are selling? And it makes right. sense that it's rare because they've used it, but our original idea that it shattered would make that more complicated. It'd be like, well, why does some of it exist and some of it not break? So if that's the case, I feel like, yeah, you've got, a little, you've got too many layers going on because if that's yeah. the case... Isn't it more interesting if Osira is black market selling dilithium because the Federation has it all? Because she's trying to free up a market, basically. Like she's trying yeah. to provide other people with well, that but that also re- requires the Federation to be greedily hoarding it, right? Which which is a fine motivation, I think, for the Federation actually in this yeah. universe. They don't, the show doesn't say that though. I don't think do they? I don't know. Who knows? Too many layers in the show. Can we um, can we briefly talk about before we go the 
the end of this because I don't know. I just found I, I, I have this weird issue, like storytelling issue generally when you where you have um, redundant movement. Like physical movement. Yep. Characters moving so you've, between locations. Yeah. So it feels weird to me to go to the nebula and then go to the Federation and then go back to the nebula. Um, however, I feel like ju- should once Michael gets control of Stamets, isn't jumping to the nebula kind of like the safest thing for them to do? Because if they get the sh- if she gets control of Stamets and Stamets seems to believe that he can activate the spore drive by himself, which is why he's running over there to do the thing to go get Culber. <clears throat> he's he's the, um, he's the only one that can work the spore drive, right? Right. But what I mean, like you don't need you don't need the bridge to signal a black oh, alert. I, right. He can just go in and do it himself. <laughs> if the, if the discovery is inside Federation space and she's trying to preserve the Federation. Wouldn't you want to jump out of there as quickly as possible? Yes. Because now the leverage is completely gone. I guess she doesn't know Osiris not on the ship anymore, but even if she was, like, jump 700 light years somewhere else where her ships can't get there fast enough and it allows you time to to take the ship back. I don't know. It's just technical stuff like that, which it bothers me a little bit. Yeah. Um, because also, <laughs> I felt like they kind of really undermined what the spore drive can actually do uh, was 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 book flying through the transwarp thing at the beginning he's going through that courier pathway yes the transwarp okay because yeah. because my first thing i was thinking was like i feel like they're kind of really undermining what the spore drive can do here because they just have book catch up with them very quickly yeah um you know what the bigger problem yeah. is there in this fast travel world how the the fuck did that the jake weber character get anywhere they because they, they jumped from that planet like they, they spore jumped away from there, right i think he, right. he's he's like very far away <laughs> he's just he somehow managed to he somehow managed to get across the universe uh at some I point i guess osira transwarped over there and picked him up and then that, transwarped away yeah i mean it's i know i know it, it does come across as kind of nitpicking but it's like there's just no consensus or like continuity to any of the stuff that goes on here so at that point you just throw up your hands it's like well yeah, you've built a universe where travel is bad, but everyone can travel. Everybody, all the time. yeah, nobody has a problem traveling. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a really, it's a really weird setup. Like it's such a good, it's a good setup for Star Trek to take, because Star Trek so easily goes places. To take that away and then have you've got this ship that can still easily go places. That's that's interesting. Yeah, um, that creates a a uh, level of conflict and and and. Uh, something to go after um i even like yeah i I think they they screwed up the timeline a little bit right so imagine if discovery jumps into the future and the federation has been splintered for the thousand years that they've missed right like it's been a very long Mm -hmm. time and the federation is splintered and they haven't been able to travel to each other there's a um that's almost a version of just rebooting enterprise in some ways, you know, because over mm. the th- course of this thousand years, all the member planets have not been in contact and they've slowly grown apart from each other and they no longer share core values like they, they do originally in Enterprise and how everything's a mystery. There's mm-hmm. a little bit of like a rebuild idea, idea there and the show just isn't 
focused on that stuff. It's as you were saying, it's focused on the burn, which is the the lamest yeah. of the stuff that you can care about in this this time frame. That's the people in the show don't even care about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's I, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm sure we're getting fairly nitpicky about certain stuff, but I think it all I think these nitpicks stem from storytelling pr- problems that are fairly ingrained and 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 basic. Yeah. Um well, I'd asked yeah, on the so, I'd asked on Discord, kind of a leading thing. I was like, why do or I asked this on Twitter too? I was like, why do people watch TV shows that they watch? Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you saw that, but um, get a lot. I of, specifically avoid most of your get, tweets. Get a lot of got a lot of answers. Uh, it's like I like shows that explore certain ideas or themes. I like to see characters existing in a world, existing in a setting. People are like, I like different characters. The characters are what kind of come back to me. What and I, I I posted in such a way that I didn't want to lead people, but what all of those answers have in common is the writing. And what I think sure. is strength what is different about TV from film is that to me, writing is everything in a TV show because mm-hmm. it's way too long of a story to not have writing. In a in a movie, you can get away with a little bit of either like weird writing or lazy writing if there are other aspects that are really kind of spectacular that people are choosing to focus on in their movie, like be it visually or be it something else or be it some sort of theme that they want to explore. Uh, Film is a little bit more artistic that way. Film film is a lot more impressionistic than TV is. Right. Because you're there, ideally, you're in a theater, you're there for two hours getting bombarded by these giant images that are strung together with a story. Right. And you're in, you're out, and you kind of it's like uh, it's more like a, a roller coaster, whereas TV is more like a a, a, a long drive. Yeah, and I, I think that TV is just the right to me, and I think like pseudo objectively, like the writing is what differentiates itself from movies for television shows. And so, mm-hmm. what people like about TV shows is is when you when you distill it to its essence is just the writing. They like the writing of the characters. I think actors will play into a character in some way, but it's still, it's like a writing aspect is one of the major things. The mm-hmm. theme exploration doesn't happen outside of writing. The uh, characters in a setting is how the characters are written. It's not just actors standing on a green screen and you're going, wow, these characters are existing in this place. This is fantastic. Mm-hmm. The writing is everything in a TV show. And Discovery's prop, like, I just I have a very hard time defending a show on TV if the writing is weak. And I can't think of a single show that I would watch that has bad writing and be like, this is still a great TV show, despite this horrible right. writing that's going on here. Yeah. Uh, that's just where it sits for discovery for me. And other reviews that I've seen, you know, have used fairly aggressive language. They'd be like, the writing is abysmal, but it's still a great show. And I sit there going, I don't mm. understand how you can say that. It's it's just a, it's a that and that's it just ties into all the nitpicks are built <coughs> off of the fact that the writing is so awful that you end up in a place like this there is yeah. a tide yeah and i you know i i'm tr- i try to be go into every episode as <laughs> it it's tough because i i i want to judge every episode on its own merits but it's if the only way these episodes like work is if you do that explicitly and just forget anything else you've seen or haven't seen for that matter and just 
go with what they're telling you in this one. And that's not really how these things are supposed to work. Yeah. And I, I think that for Discovery in particular, taking each episode as it stands, the episodes are very similar to each other. Um, I couldn't tell you outside of a few moments what happens in different episodes. It's a very uh, even-keeled, like, steady in its incompetence kind of way. So, you know, when if you if you want to say, like, you're not taking it, if you're uh, being, like, prejudiced towards the show or something, it's just that the show is so similar that if you have a problem with one episode, you're going to have it with the next one. And mm-hmm. it doesn't really solve itself. That's the one of the downsides to the serialized nature that they're doing. That I would argue is not a downside to a serialized TV show. It's a downside to doing one very shitty job of a serialized TV show. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's it. Thank you guys for listening to There Is a Tide. There's one episode left. I think it's called The Hope That Is You Part Two. I think they changed the title of it to that one, so it pairs off with the first one. Predictions for the end, Clay? I know neither of us particularly like predictions, but we we both agree that they're just going to mine the dilithium planet and everything will reboot, right? Uh, I, get, I, I mean, uh, what are your options? <clears throat> for the burn to have any meaning whatsoever, I, I, they either have to do that or they have to use it as... I don't know. I guess... I guess, I guess Yeah, because if 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 the burn ultimately, if the burn, uh, so that ha- only happened once, right? It's only happened once. It's as not far like as we every know, now and then. Yeah, so call has happens. never screamed that loudly. I wish that was the case. It would make much more sense because to call screaming constantly, being living in terror, makes more sense that he would occasionally do this and cause warp drives to fail all the time. Yeah, but if that's it's only the case. Once. If he only did it once and it only causes warp drives to fail or the dilithium to fail for a minimum, like a not complete amount of time, like it comes back eventually, <clears throat> and they've just found a planet full of dilithium, they're probably, yeah, I mean, I assume the only, the only thing I could see stopping them from, from using that to, as a way to get dilithium back is to, is because the planet is so deep in the nebula that they can't effectively mine it but even there as long as you get to call off the planet you're, you're right. good like everything goes <laughs> back to him. normal just kill this motherfucker stop his screaming i i mean the other option is that they buy in whole hog to the technology and osira is able to mass produce spore drives so warp drives just don't exist anymore and spore drives are the new way that people get around which would make a little bit more sense i think it would make more sense but it would make for a boring show i just it's i don't I don't like this idea that they set up for the season. People can't drive anywhere anymore, but this one people was one group has a car, and the end of the season is now everybody has cars. <laughs> That's a very American dream, Clay. I think that you're yeah, shitting all I over guess. all over the stars and stripes. No, but like it doesn't. I don't know. I don't really find that particularly interesting. I like don't. When there's got, no. There's no interesting out for this, right? It's like they're either going to get their warp drive back, or they just build more spore drives and jump around. Do you think? Um, do you think anybody who's on the planet's going to die? No. No. It's a call, maybe. Yeah. Because who's um, down there? It's Adira, Culber, Adira, Saru, and, Saru. and Culber. Culber uh, would maybe die. But no, I don't think they're going to kill him. I I think... Can he I, just die I every season and come back? And that yeah. Just, just hey, that thing. would be... I would be great. If he, and he, he eventually becomes a god or something, that would be cool. <laughs> 
Um, I would say there is a more than a zero chance that Saru doesn't make it out alive. Just because Burnham will take over? Yes, and it feels very Discovery to reunite him with a family-type person and then kill him. <laughs> or, like, leave him on the planet. Like, like Sakal can't leave the planet because if he leaves the planet, the radiation will crystallize and kill him or something right. like that. So then Saru has to stay there, and, and so the guy's not alone or some shit like that. I wouldn't put it past them to do that. Mm. If they do that... I think I will probably be on board with us not watching the next season because Saru is like the only thing I like about yeah. the show. No, I'm, I'm on board with not watching this season after this. Um, I don't really want to. Uh, I, I, you've kind of talked me into it. I would be, I would be, sh- I, that's like a dark horse in Vegas bet right there. It's like, mm. you know, the payoff is potentially huge if I bet on that. I just don't see it happening because I think that, Oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, even the, as terrible as the writing staff is here, I think they have to recognize that Saru is the only real character that the show has. I would hope so, but it, I mean, mm. I I don't know if that would necessarily stop them. I can um, see Sakal dying. It can't be Adira because Adira is a is one step too far. It's like what what was the point of this character? Right, like you you yeah. real you can't kill this character. Yeah, they're they're not going to kill Adira. Um, I think they're already confirmed for season four anyway, but I don't know about yeah. the status of everybody else, which would maybe ruin this entire conversation. But I don't see anybody dying there. Um, do you see the Emerald you, Chain and the Federation actually aligning with each other? Or is the Emerald Chain going to be the bad guy of Discovery seasons going forward? Um, I assume, I don't think Osiris making it out alive. Osiris will die. But the Emerald Chain, yes. what happens to the Emerald Chain? Her organization um, with funding, grant from writing. I is she I mean she runs it doesn't she she's a minister they call her so I don't know if she's like a leader or it's just a con- which is another thing it's like wait now they have like a parliamentary system well and her soldiers are called regulators or something Ma- it's like mount up Warren G just comes in and it's like <laughs> regulate I don't why do they call them stupid shit Admiral like that? Vance Admiral Vance now that Adir has has died we would like to continue these no- negotiations with President Nate Dog. <laughs> It was a cold, dark night. Um, great flow on that song. And also, rest in peace, MF Doom, who died uh, mm, in yes. October, amazingly. And his family didn't, uh, I mean, they have every right to not do it, but they surprisingly kept it close to the vest mm. for a couple months. Young guy, too, dude. Do you know how he 49. died? 49. No, it didn't say. I assume no. um, some sort of heart thing at that age. Um, uh, all right, so no Emerald Chain. Is there anything else here? Does Discovery, is there another time jump happening? I don't think so. I mean, <laughs> I don't know what where else they would go. They could jump further into the future to where the, this time the Federation's really broken. Yeah. I don't know. Like it's. I mean, you could look at this as one way as being like, the show's so unpredictable. I have no where it's going to, no idea where it's going to go. And I don't, I don't know that I'm not, I don't think of that as a benefit because I just can't game out what a satisfying solution to any of this would be. Yeah, it's a good way to like, look can at you, it. Can you give me one theoretical outcome where you'd go, oh, that would be awesome? I can't. The only thing that I could say, like, if, if, the, if the Federation and Emerald Chain were set up better, 
they're actually coming to terms would be something that I could see leading to a, a season next mm-hmm. next season. If it's like, oh, this is bad news for Burnham and company because of what it means for the Federation as an organization. But as we talked about, it seems like it's a net positive for the galaxy to have all of this right. come together that way. I can't I think see the only way. Satisfying. I feel like the only way that works is if the Emerald Chain comes to terms with the Federation, but Adira, not Adira, Osira is like fired or something. Like she goes on the lamb, exiled. Yeah. So she's still out there as a, which I mean, I don't really care. She's, she's not an interesting she's character. Terrible. <laughs> she's so bad. Like if she, like if she was Gul Dukat, that would be f- fantastic. They're kind of clownish, aren't they? The bad guy, if they're the, uh, the the main cowboy from the second season who came back, Osira, uh, they're all kind of like goofy. There's mm. nothing really scary about them as villains. It's they just imprisoned yeah. people. Yeah, you know, to to, to continue the Gul Dukat metaphor, um, please correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't there a plot line in in uh, there's a plot line in Deep Space Nine where Gul Dukat basically is goes rogue, right? Yeah, he's not. Part he becomes of the, a space yeah. pirate for a little bit. Yeah, and that's that's interesting because you know Gul Dukat, A, he's a very engaging, very charismatic character, and B, you know what he's capable of. Yep. Um, so if they do that with Osira, it's like, I don't know, it's like doing it with Rom or something. It's just, it's not, <laughs> it's not it's super, I'm not super threatened by uh, what, Osira by herself can can mount against a newly formed federation. I think like that's got to I assume that's where we're going is that this it's going to end with some sort of after everybody shows up to help fight the Emerald Chain, they're going to be like, "Hey, that was cool. We should do that all the time. Maybe we should think about federizing again." Yeah. Yeah, enough of this confederation. Um I guess we're done. Uh we said goodbye Are to you Rin. excited? Are you excited to find out what happens next week? Yeah. No. The trailer looks like it's just more action sequences like this mm-hmm. episode was. Um I'm not excited. I Are you excited? Are you interested in how this works? Like what's even left to wrap up, really? Just it's just the details of the planet. The planet. The the, the dilithium planet. Yeah. I guess we'll have more thoughts when that comes comes around. All right, I guess we're done with There is a Tide. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. If you want to support the show, patreon.com slash the Penske file is the best way to do it. A couple dollars a month gets you extra stuff. Our captain's also, supporters. Sorry. Like, shouldn't shouldn't like finding Discovery not be an issue, right? Because they don't have the spore drive anymore. Because Stam- <coughs> Stamets is on the Federation base or whatever. Oh, I guess they can still probably fly at a higher level of warp than most places. Eh, whatever. Forget it. Captain Tier supporters, special thank you. Ben Douglas, Tark Latif, Joint Mango, Katie Jackoff, Mike Burnett, Matthew Ross, Andrew Sherlock, Cardinal Doomsday, Nathan Elliott, Samuel Custer, Matt Cutler, Nick Sergi, Grim Santo, Sean, Bradley Killens, Christian Pouch, Drain Hackett, Chris Tinsley, Darth Moss, Kevin Race, Jordan Cooper, Vault 13 Hero, Rune Bendler, HH28, Stefan Minton, Nick the Rat, Derek Zajac, Paul Roscoe, Jacob123, Poindexter G, Groppler, John Zorn, Mike Harris, Captain Brazen, Eric Santuan, Kevin Lowry, Jakey's Gamer, Patrick Seba, Corey Martin, William Scheisler, Soylent Blue, Zane Majors, Dave Davies, Retail, and Olivier Pardieu. Thank you very much for supporting the show. Um, 
I fucking hate Discovery. It's like a, <laughs> it's like a terrible TV show. It's just so bad. Um, I, I am. Uh, there was a comment on one of the videos. The person was very um, uh, positive towards the show and the channel in general. It was very pleasant. It was just like, uh, you know, I have been listening since TNG or whatever and do a good job. Uh, main problem is he thinks that I specifically am too prejudiced against the show. Um, mm-hmm. I can't really disagree. Uh, I would like to think of myself that I haven't been. Particularly well, it's because you you work with a lot of discoveries for many years, so like <laughs> you have your own prejudices that you've I lived in a neighborhood away from full of discoveries. Let me tell you, <laughs> and you know, take a day off from work and no one else is going into work. You start thinking to yourself. I couldn't believe the way you talked when you said that your daughter was dating a discovery. <laughs> I mean, it was yeah, I was just very uncomfortable. Especially because I don't have a daughter, which made it all the more awkward. Yeah, um, that was the strange part. <laughs> that would be I'm concerned about my imaginary daughter dating someone. Um, I probably am. I would argue not in bad faith am I prejudiced against it. Um, I'm now imagining. I'm now imagining uh, all in the family. But your Archie Bark Bunker and Meathead is just like an anthropomorphized Discovery He's logo. Ba- He's Badgie from uh, Lower Decks <laughs> yeah, or whatever. <clears throat> yeah, it's... Um, I uh, This season in particular has... I just feel like the second half of the season has been a, a crawl to get through mm. it. It's just been so, so bad. But I do, I do hate can, this show. Um, can you... Um, can you wrap your head around why people might think this is the best season of the show so far? They like seeing future Starfleet. That's all I can think of. Like, that, well, they haven't that, seen much of it. I, I know. They like, they like, they like thinking, what, what, what do you... I have not actually... As is always the case, people who praise the show, I've never seen a like reason why. They, mm-hmm. just, they just say, like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. Isn't Vance yeah. cool? Boba Fett motherfuckers <laughs> like it's it's just I don't I don't know what people would get out of it unless because I th- I think it's almost like obvious that this was not even as effective as the Red Angel mystery and how they laid right. things out and yeah do you do you have any idea why someone would like this one my my only thought is that they just like the emotional stuff which it's if fair. that's what you like yeah, fine it's fair you know they. The emotional stuff is where they put all their put all their effort into. Well, you'd say that's unique to this, to this season because I would say that's been a, a thread throughout Discovery's entire. Because I think you specifically asked me about this season. I would say that Discovery has yeah. always leaned on the emotion. Yeah i i think I think it's it's a love for the emotional stuff, and I don't know. Is may, it just the maybe pace? They, is it the fact that things change constantly? <clears throat> just keeps you on your toes. Do you think? I yeah I don't know I mean maybe it is the future stuff and the fed- future Federation stuff mixed with the high emotional it's, drama and whatnot. It's just the uh, that Vince McMahon meme where he's getting more and more excited to stuff, and the final one of this is just the dots on one side, and, and McMahon just going like ah, oh! <laughs> <laughs> dot robots, and just like yeah, oh. kind of. Um, I saw a review. I saw a review that the last line of the review was. And those those robots that show up at the end, I have no idea if it makes any sense or if they're any good. But oh my god, they're so cute! And I was like, all right, well, <clears throat> I guess I guess mission accomplished then. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we're doing the next season of Discovery. 
All right, we're done. Glad you have anything you want to say. Uh, we had a badass come out this past week, our penultimate badass for season three, uh, where we covered Deep Freeze and Make Him Laugh, which are two very good episodes, including one where Mr. Freeze fights a very ev- an evil version of Walt Disney, basically. Nice. So that's pretty fun. Nice. Uh, and this coming week, we have... New Rotten Horror Picture Show will be covering 1989's Society. And if you ever wanted to see a movie that is uh, a not very good movie saved by its ending, I recommend watching Society because it has the f- the last 15 minutes or so of that movie are, I can pretty confidently say, unlike anything you have ever seen. Mm-hmm. It's no planet full of dilithium. I'd never seen that no, before. No, it's not. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I, uh, I stand corrected. Yeah, so yeah, I guess, I guess you're, uh, you're. I guess there there is a way that things can be saved. Movies are a little bit easier to save, I suppose, if it's an hour and thirty minutes, and then the last fifteen are great. Uh, so that is this Wednesday, I think. Right, that's what you mm-hmm. said. Yeah. Yep. So check those out at thepenskyfile.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast app of choice. We'll be doing that stream either today or tomorrow, whenever this comes out. It's on Saturday the 2nd. Yeah, Saturday the 2nd at 1 p.m. If you're interested in doing that, it'll be on social media and stuff. Um, Oh, and also, um, we are in, now that we're into January, Amanda and I are going to start covering uh, Friday the 13th, the series. When I say the series, I mean the movies, not the TV show. Right. Uh, for the Patreon. We'll be doing one of those a month. One of those a month will be coming out, so it's more uh, incentive to join the Patreon. If you're so inclined, I guess we're done. It's been a long episode, an hour and 20. Um, it's not even the final episode of Discovery. <laughs> you know, I think it would be a lot shorter if, if you go in and cut out all the pregnant pauses we have in this one, because I feel like it's a lot of us going... <laughs> um, so what do you yeah. think this season was about? And then it's just silence for 37 seconds. And you're like, hmm... Yeah, I don't, uh... don't make me edit, Clay. God damn it! That's the the one thing that we've got going is that we don't. I don't do much editing on these, just because someone will someone will uh, burp or something, or make somebody make some kind of noise to keep things lively, and I can't do it here. I won't do it now. So sorry, guys. It's an hour and twenty minute episode of Star Trek Discovery. Let us know what you thought about. There is a tide. Let us know about what you think about the end of this. Let us know what you think about the Star Trek Discovery. If you enjoyed the season specifically say what you enjoyed about it as opposed to it being great. That would be fantastic. I would like to know. Otherwise, we're done. Anything else, Clay? Nope. I think that's it. All right. So the next one. Oh, sorry. We didn't even talk about this, which I don't know if it's worth mentioning, but as we go off the air, I may as well say it. Why does she have to judo neck choke that one guy when she Vulcan neck pinches stamps. I was I, I actually thought that too. Yeah. I thought she did it to kill him, but she doesn't even kill him because he wakes no. up later on. Yeah. It would stop her from getting stabbed in the leg. It I would. That the Vulc- <laughs> she also shouldn't scream hey before sneaking. She says something, right? She goes, hey, and he turns around. Oh, and then- that's a that's a that's a long tradition of movies and TV of, of tapping someone on the shoulder before you punch him or something. But but usually anyway, it sorry, doesn't pay off in you getting that, stabbed. But. It's usually just a kind of funny thing to be like, hey, and then you punch him in the face and knock him out. But she she gets yeah. clearly stabbed. We I'm glad that we didn't bring up Die Hard. Every other review has brought up Die Hard. And I don't think we need to bring up Die Hard. So let's not bring up Die Hard. All hey, right. Wes, you know it's a really good movie. Yippee ki yay, motherfucker. Barry Lyndon. (laughs) Guys, see you next week.